should move right into the religious material. When you walk through the garden, you gotta watch your bed. Alright. Welcome to the Sly Dog Music Cast, Kalen. What's up? Welcome to the Sly Dog Music Cast, Kalen. Oh shit, here we are. Yeah, here we are. I think I got all my uh, all the things that would destroy my political career out of my system. We were chit chatting before. So. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> you ready? You ready to jump in? Fuck yeah! All right, so we're here today to talk about a man that means a lot to both of us. I think Tom Waits, um, and what an incredible musician he is, and how, like how his music has like touched our lives. And we're going to talk about five of our favorites, but kind of started starting at the beginning. How did you get into Tom Waits? Like, where did it start for you? All right, so I was about, I think I was somewhere between 16 and 18. Um, I knew of Tom Waits. My dad, uh, when we were watching Bram Stoker's Dracula, uh, he played Renfield, and my dad was like, that's Tom Waits. He's an incredible musician. And my dad's, you know, really fucking cool. So I was like, all right, well, I'll check it out. And, you know, his, his discography is so wide. I, I got mule variations because that was kind of the, uh, the thing right then. That's about when it came out. And I was like, that's really good. I like it. And I kind of put it away. I listened to it every now and then. I'd be like, yeah, I like Tom Waits, but that was it. And then my brother, uh, after I moved down to California from Washington to, uh, to go to Musicians Institute, uh, we'd always go back up to Washington to uh, have Christmas with my grandparents. So my brother bought me blood money. I think I was 19 years old. And I was like, cool, another Tom Waits record. I'll give it a listen. And I was sleeping in my grandparents' basement, and I put it in my disc man because I'm old. <laughs> and uh, I was listening, and, and right away, Misery is the River of the World comes on. I'm like, what the fuck is this? When did Tom Waits turn into an oak barrel soaked whiskey tobacco covered pirate? <laughs> and, and, uh, you know, and this is melodramatic and over the top, but it's 100% accurate. Like, that changed my, my life. Like, that was I, I was a I was a disciple at that from that moment on. And Tom Waits isn't just my favorite musician, a songwriter. He's probably one of my favorite things, like Elemental. He's up there with like you know, uh, Cold Beer, Warm <laughs> Pussy, uh, you know, all those things we love. Well, I love all those things that make life worth living. I I agree. For me, it it kind of started interestingly. I was about the same age you were. I was uh, living in California, going to MI, and that's where I met you. Um, and I had a roommate who, like, at the time I was listening to a lot of pop music, I kind of spent most of my early life listening to classic rock, which is cool, uh, I still I still love that music, but mm -hmm. I kind of wanted to find something that was my own, and I directed towards pop, but I wasn't kind of really enjoying that anymore, and I had a roommate who was into all kinds of, like, weird, strange drone-type music, or noise rock, so, like, I kind of did my best to avoid him for a while, but one day... I happened to be in the kitchen the same time as him, and he was playing music off his laptop, and he put on the live record, Glitter and Doom. Oh, yeah. And that first sound you hear, that, ah, like at the beginning of Lucinda, I'm like, whoa, what is this? He goes, it's Tom Waits, and I was kind of like, I was taken back, but I was intrigued. I was, like, I was like, do you have any more of this? And he goes, yeah. I'm like, okay, put a few on a USB stick for me so I can put it on my iPod. And I did, yeah. and I started with Bad As Me, Swordfish Trombones, and Mule Variations, and it just felt like this separate world, like almost from music. It was music, but it added more color. It gave me like this idea that music could be more than just, you know, there's nothing wrong with a verse, chorus, verse, chorus, pop song, but 
it can be so much more expansive. The canvas can be so much bigger. The sounds can be so much more extreme. Like it, and the lyrics are just beautiful. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and that's an excellent, uh, I like that. Um, when I tell people who want to get into Tom Waits, I'll usually throw them kind of a widespread. So you had, um, bad as me, his, his latest record. Yeah. Uh, have Swordfish Trombones, which was 83. And that was when he came away from the, uh, the Island record years with, you know, well, I hope that I don't fall in love, Whoa. like more of the singer songwriter, you know, all those things. And that was when he embraced his weirdness. Um, very, I mean, the first song on Swordfish is the world going on underground. When I heard that, I was like, sounds like Danny Elfman, you know, meets, I don't know, a, a drunk vampire. It was, it was yeah. amazing. Yeah, and then Fuel Variations, I think, is his most, uh, um, as far as, as modern area, I split I split kind of uh, Tom Waits stuff into his 70s stuff to, to Swordfish Trombones, which is his kind of like, they really wanted another Randy Newman, Bob Dylan, that was kind of what's in vogue. And then he got into his experimental stuff. Um, and I think uh, up until probably Blood Money, and Alice, the two that came out, was when he kind of combined the the softer elements, the more theatrical elements, because those were based on a, a German playwright uh, he worked with, and they did this big performance in uh, on those two albums. And so then Mule Variations kind of was this, I think that's the most user-friendly new Tom Waits you can get. I agree. I agree. And, um, and then that's, so, so it's a great way to like, so I'll, I'll usually tell people, you know, Throw on uh, Nighthawks at the Diner, listen to a few of those. That And a lot of people, if they're not into the classic stuff, that's not for them. Then I'll be like, check out Alice, because that's such a dirgy, depressing, wonderful yeah. record. And then I'll throw something like uh, Wheel Gone or Bad As Me, which is what I think he kind of moved into, a little more energetic, a little more bluesy, oh, yeah. uh, still dirty and crazy. So it's But that's the most fun, because um, nobody wanted to listen to Tom Waits with me uh, yeah. in my, my, my friend group. I remember my uh, drummer turned it off. He's like, dude, I'm really sorry. I just can't. And <laughs> a year later, uh, my, almost my entire friend base, uh, I have converted them oh, because wow. like you said, you wanted something of your own. And the cool thing about Tom Waits is he gives you, it feels like this weird, this weird fiend is, is talking to you about nothing, you know, he's right. singing about things that aren't applicable yet. You feel so much emotion about it. Poor Edward. It's a real story about a guy with a bathos. That's a real thing. I mean, American Horror Story, if you've ever watched that show, I'm sure okay. some of your fans have. Uh, you know, they, they uh, Edward was one of the characters in uh, Freak Show, and I think they played him back another. It's a real, it's a real story. Yeah. And wh why, does it, why does it grab you by the soul balls so hard? I don't know, but it does. I can, t I can tell you specifically about the song Poor Edward. What about that song grabs me? The part, like, the idea of that song, like, it almost seems like, you know, he literally had no reprieve from this thing on the back of his head. Like, the idea is you'd think death would be an escape, but uh, I'd say she drove her to su him to suicide and took poor Edward to hell. Like, he didn't even get, you know, some kind of afterlife that was amazing. Like, that's the part of that song that just guts me. Yeah, and, and that's the best thing. So you could use the allegory of poor Edward as... As oh you know we all have that that thing attached to us that we carry with us and you know how it's how it's you know we have to get over that we have to get rid of it but the cool thing is Tom Waits like yeah I could but there's no there's no happy ending so it's up to you to use that as catharsis like I love depressing music because it makes me feel better 
because it's a lot of times, I mean, if we're living in this country, whatever you think, it's not as bad as it could be. So you listen to some deep, dark, depressing shit. And for some, it feels like pulling a scab off, you know, and, and, and leaving fresh, pink, delicious skin underneath. (laughs) That's a good way to look at it. Yeah. Uh, that is absolutely what, what, what it's like. Uh, another thing I want to talk about before we kind of get into the songs, uh, like when you started that deep dive into the catalog, like like after you, like you said you had Buell variations and then Blood Money. Where did you go after that? Did you go right to Alice, or did you start to go way back? I so I went to Alice. I uh, so I I realized that this era of Tom Waits was for me. Yeah. So I I was and I'm I'm the kind of person that um, when I listen to something, I listen to that. So I studied Blood Money, and then I found out that it was released the same time as Alice. So I got Alice immediately. And I listened to them, and those are still my two favorite Tom Waits records. Um, And and so that once I got got that, and I was like, all right, I get this, I love this. I could sing all the songs. I they lived inside me. I was like, all right, I know I know Mule Variations. What's I started reading up on him, and I got into his old stuff. And honestly, it took me a long time. My brother, who got me into, uh, is the reason I uh, I got into this. I was always trying to get me to listen to like his early year stuff. And at that point I was still like 20 years old and grumpy and, and <laughs> weird, uh, weird. My weirdness was a weapon and I was using it to, uh, to keep everybody at a safe distance, which I'm still fine with. But, uh, <laughs> but I, so I got into Nighthawks. I got into all the other things, uh, uh, blue Valentine. And I was like, this is great. And, and I'll find myself going, I get in the mood for that stuff. But honestly, like, uh, then after that, I was like, okay, when did the weirdness begin? And Swordfish Trombones, Rain Dogs, uh, The Black Rider, which he did with Burroughs. So I kind of just, oh, yeah. I kind of jumped between the eras a little bit. Um, and I think my, one of my favorite uh, days ever was when I saw a, a fucking bus stop bench with Tom Waits Orphans. Oh. Uh, the three-disc set, which gives you everything. It gives you some of it, like... Uh, unreleased things, new stuff, but like there's so much music and uh, ballers, brawlers, and bastards. So for me, of course, ballers and bastards are, are the ones that I listen to the most. Oh wow! Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I like the the dreary. I like the theatrical and the weird. Um, that's kind of my my situation with with that. That's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> like I I, st- I had those three, and then I like as 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 I could because I was a college kid at the time, living on what I could. Uh, I'd make like little trips to Amoeba and like, cause it seemed like a different one would go into the on sale bin every week. So one week I'd get Frank's Wild Years and the next week I'd get Rain Dogs. And the one that, oh, yeah. the one that put me over the edge was Bone Machine. That's, that's still my favorite record. It's such a like cavernous, big sounding, sounding album, but it also sounds very stripped back. It's very yeah. apocalyptic. And that thing you were talking about earlier, that thing, like, you know, we all have something that we have to deal with. Uh, I feel like that record like epitomizes that entirely, especially that last song on the album, that feel, where he's singing with mm-hmm. Keith Richards. Uh, my favorite lyric in that song is, "You say it's gospel, but I know it's only church." Like that oh. still gives me chills to this day every time I hear it. Yeah, that is that is definitely a top tier lyric right there. Yeah, his little truths. Um, there's an animated on YouTube. I recommend to everybody. Uh, there's. Uh, I don't remember the name of it because I'm a bad uh, podcast guest, but um, there's all these <laughs> interviews with different people like uh, Hunter S. Thompson. They'll take an old interview and they animate it. And there's this one with Tom Waits. And um, 
it kind of crystallized how I, I, I write my music. He talks about uh, basically using songwriting like a blunderbuss, you know, the big funneled pirate gun uh, that, that, you know, you just shoot and it scatters everything. You just throw whatever you could in there, like rocks and, and fucking silverware and ball bearings, and you just blast it. And so you just fire that in the wall and, and kind of see what he got. And, and I love that idea because I always tell people, you know, with songwriting, the one thing that you can't fix is a blank page. So if you're trying to write something perfect right away, you're not going to. So I tell, write crap, write everything, <laughs> write words, single phrases, doodahs, whatever it is. Because when you look at a, a page full of shit, and I, will, I will never, ever stare at a blank page. I might do doodles if I can't think of any words if I'm really drunk, but uh, uh, that was that was that interview is something that everybody who likes Tom Waits or is a songwriter or wants to be a songwriter should check out. I'm going to look that up after the show. One last thing before we get into the songs. This is my last thing. Speaking of songwriting, I feel like when I discovered his music, it really gave me a deeper appreciation for songwriters in general. Like after that, like I started to get into people like Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds, Leonard Cohen. Gordon Lightfoot, these amazing, incredible songwriters. Did would you say he gave you like the same thing, like the idea of like, like that songwriting is this sacred, sacred craft? Like, did he kind of put that in your head too? Uh, it's funny that you mentioned that. Um, it definitely took me. Like, I, I kind of did the same gravitation uh, towards the, the those kind of writers. I got into Nick Cave and um, all those other things. But I think what I actually took away from it is that uh, songwriting isn't sacred for me really? uh and I, I, I it is sacred so this is this is a complicated one um it's beautiful the gifts you're giving and things like that but i don't look at at, at what we do with reverence because at the end of the day we're all just jesters and we're wise enough to play the fool as shakespeare says and it's we're just fucking telling stories you know we're, we're making weird noises and we're <laughs> trying to get people to to get an emotional reaction i mean that's just entertainment we're performers and yeah, if you set out trying to be deep and provocative, you set out trying to write a song that's going to change somebody's mind or change the world or make someone cry or laugh, I think you're missing the point. That's, I see where you're coming from there. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Like, as at the end of the day, all this is really just entertainment for us. But I, I guess I was getting at like that emotional core, like of the songs that hit you, like the, the, the ability to do that, that's a gift. Yeah. Absolutely, and that's and that's uh, really that. The cool thing about that is that's the audience. That's their job. Like if if when I create something, uh, that's I'm done, and then it's it belongs to you. So there's people who listen to songs I do, and 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 some people think it's the saddest thing in the world. Some people think it's funny, and if they ask me, I say uh, I don't know, whatever you want. <laughs> doesn't matter what I thought when I wrote it. It's not, it doesn't belong to me anymore. Hopefully, I'll get some fucking residuals. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, that's uh, that's pretty much kind of how I look at it. Like I sometimes I end up writing something that sounds really, really, really pretty and really deep, and then the words are just right. But I certainly didn't intend to do that. Mostly, I'm just trying to figure out a way to uh, you know pass the time and, and keep playing music. Right. That's really cool. Well, since you are the guest, I would like you to start. What is your number five pick for your top five Tom Waits songs? Uh, number five is going to be uh, Misery is the River of the World because that was the song that started it all for me. Nice. That was that made me the the Tom Waits fiend that I am now. I, I always love the feeling that, that song is giving me. I feel like I'm on a pirate ship, 
that's like a, like we're 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 sailing into horrible waters and it's about to get ugly. There's a there's a bar called the R Bar uh, in L.A. Uh, and years ago, probably ten years ago, um, we found out about it. And there's a, a our buddy of I worked there. And we got the password uh, to go there overnight. Uh, like not over like the, like after they closed, we it was me and my friends uh, with unlimited booze <laughs> and it's pirate bar. And so like there's like you walk up these little stairs and and the main seating area like or the the VIP seating area is like in the bow of, or the the front of a pirate ship. Oh, nice. So we're in these big wooden boots listening to that song where we started. We listened to Blood Money, sloshing our beers around, singing along, Misery's the River of the World. And it was oh. definitely a top tier uh, moment in my life. Oh, that sounds amazing. That sounds awesome. Good yeah. choice. Good choice. I, I love that song. And I actually remember another story. Like I, I've alluded to this a little bit before in the podcast. I, I was going to MI and you were teaching, like you were. You were doing the metal LBW, and you were doing some uh, uh, open counseling type things. And I'd mentioned yeah. to you that, like, like we kind of like became friends over like the the love of Tom Waits, and you kind of told me to check out that record. And I went and I picked that up from Amoeba, and I like I had a similar reaction to you, like, whoa! Like I knew you had like had dark stuff at that point, but I was not <laughs> prepared for that. Like, and then it goes right into everything goes to hell anyways, and God's away yep. of business. That's an incredible record. Good choice. Um, yeah, the, the whole thing. Yeah, and I mean, but you you listen to Bone Machine, so that's such a dreary record. But like, there's an aggressive doom to Blood Money, which is yeah. it's singular. I think different. That yeah, it's it's a different type of sadness. And speaking of Bone Machine, <laughs> my number five, Earth Died Screaming. I love the apocalypse feel of this song. Like I've all, I'm surprised I've yet to see a movie like a zombie movie or a horror movie of some kind where this isn't kind of like in the end where everything's going to shit because it just feels like that it feels like a doomsday gospel song and i love like in the third verse there was thunder there was lightning the stars went out the moon fell from the sky it rained mackerel it rained trout like just the horror that line invokes like it's an end of days biblical type thing i love that song yes that's a good song absolutely um i want to look up that on wikipedia and see uh if it's been in a movie because uh uh Spoiler alert, I'm going to do a cover of that one. Oh, wow. that That's a good choice. That's a good choice for you. Yes, yeah, so uh, excellent, excellent job on that. And uh, <laughs> that's definitely a top ten song for me, but not in my top five, so we're not, we're not, uh, we, we haven't touched dickheads yet. <laughs> yeah, the tips haven't, the, the tips haven't touched yet. No, they're, they're out and they're staring at each other like, like, like serpents ready, like, or like more, more like two furry puppies ready to fight. Um, <laughs> it's like one big game of dick chicken. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful! Right, I'm glad we got into our our eight year old uh, tendencies. So it's uh, number uh, four for me. Yep. Uh, number four, and I purposely didn't write this because one thing I want to say is that Tom Waits songs are are there's there's a couple that are standalone that will never move. Right. But uh, as far as four, three, and two, um, a lot of them are interchangeable, and yeah. and depending on my mood and my how I'm feeling. So I think number four for me uh, recently is uh, is uh, what the fuck is the name? Uh, I had it right there. Oh, it's a fish and bird. Oh my Ham- god! Yes, I've always, oh. I always thought it was a cleverer name, but like it's. Uh, I think it's just one of the most beautiful, sad songs I've ever heard in my life. Uh, oh. Just the saddest, most wonderful, like. Uh, uh, 
kills me. It kills me every time. I could listen to that song on repeat and, and just just live in that throb of, uh, of, of beautiful anguish. Yeah. That's definitely... Wow. Yeah, that, and that one sometimes moves into uh, number two uh, in, in places, but right now, my list, that's, that's where it is. You're totally right about right about that. Like the only one that is fixed in my list is number one. Everything else that could change on the day, but yeah, especially that song that would be in my top ten for sure. And yeah. like it, it's funny on paper. Like I remember like my girlfriend. Like I've kind of like slowly been playing her his his music. I'm like, let me play you this song. It's this beautiful like love song about a fish that's in love with a whale, but they can't be together. And she just gives me this strange look. I'm like, you just gotta hear it. When you hear it, you'll you'll feel it, and she's like, and she was amazed by like the raw emotion in the song. Like it really is like on paper, it's a strange idea, but I love it. I love the feeling it gives me. It's one yeah. of his best songs. Absolutely, criminally under, underrated. Like I know he doesn't play live a lot, but like I'm I'm someone that likes to get into like set lists, and that's not like a frequent one. I think that should be a frequent song of his. Absolutely. All right, my number four, a bit obscure. Um, uh, the there was a live record, I think, I believe in '89 called Big Time, and uh, there was a there was a new studio song on there called Falling Down. That's my number four. Uh, I've always loved like this. That's a deep cut. That is a deep cut. A super deep cut. It's one of those like unabashed love songs that sometimes he writes. Like like usually he doesn't really write a straight love song. Like or if he does, there's a twist to it. But this one, it just feels like there's a pureness to it, and there's also almost a little darkness in that, like, the love might not be healthy, because there's that lyric, she wants you to steal and get caught, because she loves you for all that you're not. Like, yeah. that, that's my favorite <laughs> lyric in that song, every time it comes around. And, yeah, that's that's another top-tier song for me. And, interestingly enough, the, the first time I heard it, I didn't know where it came from. I heard it on the Glitter and Doom album, and it's, like, track six or so, something like I'm like where is this coming from and I spent a long time trying to hunt that song down I finally got big time and that's when I got that song I'm like oh it's from there yeah that's nice and that's the most fun about having the, you know such an expansive thing it's uh, you know you have to go hunting and, and find those rarities uh, and, and, I, and I love doing it like because you end up finding other great stuff on the way absolutely absolutely you ready for number three <laughs> number three uh, number three is Make It Rain from uh, uh, on. I had a feeling this was coming. <laughs> well, you you know I do that song a lot. Yeah. Live. And uh, it's just, it's it's a blues song that he turned upside down. You know? it's It's got all the, the all the, the things that make a blues song great. I, I thought I had a big word in my head, but the hangover still living inside me. Um <laughs> Yeah, that, that sounds but like all the tracks of a classic blues song, and um, he uh, he just I just it's not, but it's, it's it feels like rock, and it feels like like weird, and I don't know, it just uh, it, something about that song just just gets me. I think that is the closest to like a standard blues song he's ever gotten. And I also mm -hmm. got to point out, there's something you said there that sounded like a Tom Waits lyric. Like I had a big word, but the hangover is still in me. That sounds like a Tom <laughs> Waits lyric. <laughs> It sounds like listen to too much fucking Tom Waits. Yeah, it's it sounds like a small change or, or like Blue Valentine era lyric. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> that is very yeah, that's awesome. I had a feeling you'd pick that song, and that's a great song. And that's kind of why I left it off my list. Like it would be top ten for me too, but I I, yeah. I, I wanted to give you that one. 
right, nice. My number three, uh, going to Frank's Wild Years. Yesterday is here. Uh, this is one that's kind of caught me recently. When I got that album originally, I wasn't really sure what to make of it. It's a little like drearier. Like, well, they're all like all his records are kind of dreary, but this one has like some kind of otherworldliness, dreariness to it. Maybe it's the you know, yeah, it's the pump organ. There's something about about that album, but this song has really clicked with me lately. Maybe it's been all the rain we're having here in San Diego. I love the eerie David Lynch esque Twin Peaks vibe. And mm -hmm. it's almost melancholically ho hopeful. Today's gray skies, tomorrow's tears. You'll have to wait till yesterday's here. You'll have to wait till tomorrow to know if it's going to get any better. But right now, it doesn't yeah. look like it. That's that's and that, that that's a great point to bring up because you'll see that in a lot of his stuff. You know, it it seems with all the the doom and all the gloom and all the heartbreak, there's this this there's this unbridled hope because he's. You know, he said it in interviews. He's he doesn't want to die. He's scared to death. I don't think he really has the afterlife plan kind of figured out. And and so you kind of have to make tomorrow better. And, and I love that. So and when people talk about you know all the depressing music, well, you got to look deeper than that. Just because it's about death or the end of the world or all the other crazy shit that he sings about, listen to the words, listen to the story, listen to the, it's the perspective. You know, when we're staring at our lives and thinking of all the chaos that's happening. You know, uh, you, what are you going to do? Yeah, it looks like everything's fucked, but where, you give up or you find the humor in it, laugh, shake it off, and uh, get your shit together. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, you ready for your number two? I am ready for my number two. All right. And uh, this one is not normally even in my top ten. Oh, It's wow. definitely in the top 20. But uh, I was just kind of doing my random uh, playlist thing where pretty much full of Tom Waits because I have all the records. Um, and Get On Down to the House from Mule Variations. Oh, yes. It's a gospel song, and it's so great. And it's just, it's, it, it, I love, that's why I love Orphans so much um, because you have all, you have the doom, you have the weird, you have those gospel things because he go, goes there. But that song is just, I, you could sing it in church, you know? Yeah. You could do you could do a million things with that song, and it's at the end of the day, it's just a, everybody sing together, get on down to the house, and such a simple lyric. Oh yeah, that was a song I remember hearing that for the first time and just being amazed like that was coming out of him because I think even Mule Variations, as accessible as that album is, it does take you through some seedy places, Eyeball Kid, Low Side of the Road, and then you get to the end of the record, and there's almost that I don't know release that sun, ray of sunshine everybody come on up to the house i love that yeah great choice great choice that would be in my top 10 for sure uh let's see number two from bone machine again uh who are nice. you this is uh one of those stripped back ballads on the album i love this song just electric guitar and upright bass i think on this one um i've always yep. related to this song to someone in my life who's kind of overly dramatic like, maybe they're just trying to get a rise out of you, but, you know, they're family, so you kind of have to love them any, anyways, uh -huh. and you wonder who they're going to be this time. And that song has meant so much to me through all the stuff I've been through with this person. And I love that lyric, are you still jumping out of windows in expensive clothes? Because, you know, like, to me, like, he's, he's saying there, like, how much more dramatic are you going to make it? Like, I've heard people say this song's about a bad breakup, but this song's really about what you make it about. 
And for me, it's about that person in my life. So I absolutely, love, I love this song. And that upright bass is something that you'll hear on on Real Gone and and that Larry Taylor uh, yes. is such an integral part of 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 what his sound is. Um, you know, there's so many things, but but you know, when you start pinpointing like kind of constants, I mean, Real Gone doesn't have any piano on it. Yeah, um, a Bone Machine is just it's like it's almost like a uh it almost feels like you, you're listening to a cancerous tumor <laughs> it, it's so no fucking it's like ah it's malignant yeah and then but there's then there's those those, those reprieves that he gives you throughout it um you know it, it's it's I, one of the things i think about that's the, the two, first two songs so much uh, a dirt in the ground. Think about oh. how high he sings in those initial songs, which is such a different thing for him. Yeah. And you hear his voice just breaking with those falsettos that he can barely hit, uh, which sets that tone of just the strain. Um, that is an excellent choice for number two. And actually, that one is kind of flies under the radar uh, for me. I have to, I, I, I always remember that I like that song, but it's not one that I just have on the lexicon. So thank you. I will be listening to that uh, post-haste. Awesome. Glad, glad to, I'm glad I could do that for you. And one last thing before we move to your, to the number ones. Uh, Dirt in the Ground, like you said, that falsetto. The first time I heard that, like I'd been used to like the lower, gruffer voice of him. And when I hear that, what does it matter? Dream of love, dream of lies. It's like, whoa. Yeah. We're going some different places. And that song literally like, wheezes. It feels like a, it's a death wheeze, like like with the... Clarinet, yeah. yeah, though. It's, it's so brilliant to do that. And then the production with Kathleen Brennan, like, to A, to have the balls, which of course we knew. So it's, you're never really surprised about what Tom Waits does. I don't think surprise is ever right. Even when, when I heard um, Blood Money for the first time and the pirate and the, the, like the shock and awe and all this, but it was like almost instantaneous. I was like, this makes perfect sense. Right. This is exactly what this madman should be doing. Um, so it's kind of a fun thing. And, and so you, you go on the journey with him without really questioning, which is, I think, why he has such an effect on so many people. But yeah, that's a, you, you said it best. It's, it's death wheeze is exactly right. Yeah. Oh, man. Great, great song. Uh, you ready for your number one? Yeah, uh, but, uh, but, but just to make sure we get an honorable mention in here, you're talking about his straight up love songs. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and a top tenor for me. Um, honorable mention is Coney Island Baby. Oh, beautiful song. That is, it's just straight up love song. It's just wonderful. You know, she's the princess in a red dress. She's the moon in the mist to me. Like that's a drunk bar sing along. You know, if you were in like an Irish pub and everybody knew Tom Waits, that would be what we'd be singing. Yeah, that is a great, great song. Chills. And the only it's, and the only real like little bit of sunlight you get on that album, like true, like, very true. Uh, well, isn't "I Don't Want to Grow Up" the last song on that record? That's on Bone Machine. Bone Machine, that's right. See, yeah, the last I song. Knew, on, like, like, yeah, you're right. It's only what's the last one on uh, Blood Money? Uh, uh, Good Man is Hard to Find. That's right. That's so. That's that's the only. I knew there was a kind of an upbeat, and it's still dark. Yeah, you read the lyrics and you're like, "Holy <laughs> shit!" My favorite color is red. But it's a fun one. It's it's. But those are really the only reprieves you get on that album. But uh, for my number one, and it will it will take a lot to change this for me. I pretty much has been number one since I heard the song. Is Flowers Grave? Oh my god! <laughs> yes, lyrics. 
Uh, my favorite lyrics from him, some of my favorite melodies. Um, it's just every, it, that, that encompasses my favorite parts of Tom Waits. There's, it's dark, it's depressing, it's beautiful, uh, it's, it's simple, but the concept itself is like, well, who puts flowers on a flower's grave? Uh, what the fuck? And so you're like, why didn't I think of that? Yeah. And it, for some reason, you're, you just, it, it, I, I don't know, I think it's one of the more personal it's it's easy to digest, but once you get it, it's like you just had a, a you know Thanksgiving dinner and you need to like take a fucking nap. Yeah, yeah, that song. It's it's almost like existential when you think about it. Like who puts flowers on a flower's grave? Such a it, question to ask. You're actually you're it is literally existential. Yeah, you are uh, you're right there. I'm sure a character guard would have loved that shit. Oh yeah, great choice, great choice for number one. All right. Well, my, my I've got a few honorable mentions. I just wanted to rattle off. I wrote them down. Uh, Temptation from Frank's Wild Years. Telephone yes. Call from Istanbul. Love that song. Uh, from, <laughs> from Blood Money, Starving in the Belly of a Whale. Yes. Uh, Such a Scream from Bone Machine. Rain Dogs, yeah. On the Nickel from Heart Attack and Vine, my favorite pre-experimentation album. And Swordfish Trombones. But my number one. Uh, yep. My all-time favorite Tom Waits song, Never Let Go of Your Hand, from Orphans. Holy crap. Like, I'll never forget the first time I heard this song. It was in the midst of a blizzard. I was home visiting for Christmas. I had just gotten this. And I'm the weird motherfucker that still likes to carry around a disc when I'm trapped in the past. But I'm, in... I'm right right there with you, buddy. There's yeah. nothing wrong with that. Yeah, and I'm, I'm sitting in the car. Uh, we're going to visit my sister. Um, and it's like this four hour drive and it starts blizzarding so hard. Like we can't even see, like we, my dad had to open the window in the car to see in front of us and it's blizzarding. It was horrible, but I'm just trying to stay happy. I'm sitting in the back seat, and that song comes on and it like took me out of that, that horrible situation. And it's, we were talking about love songs. It's the most pure love song I think he's ever written. Uh, I'm gonna say yeah, you know that's even more than than Coney Island because it's just there's no there's no cool little blues reference you know there's no name of a town or yeah it's it's just it's just right there that's yeah. an excellent choice man I'll, you can send me to hell but I'll never let go of your hand just powerful and the song that my girlfriend has probably heard me play the most it's one of the ones she actually kind of likes <laughs> so yeah that's yeah. my top five. That was that's fantastic. That's an excellent top five. Yeah, you too, man. You too. Like you, you threw me some curveballs. Like some of the, those I wasn't expecting, but really good choices, nonetheless. I gotta stay mysterious, buddy. Otherwise, I don't eat. That's true. That's true. Like you have you have that vibe. <laughs> like, I, like just kind of shows up out of the in, in the rainstorm, like the Exorcist movie. Get gets out of the taxi. <laughs> yep, yep. There it is. <laughs> awesome. All right. So one last thing, kind of to wrap this all this all up uh so i realized a year ago this week on his official website tom waits posted he was back in the studio working on another record and that makes me very excited um like i honestly for him like i don't really have any expectations going into an album like i kind of just wanted to give me what he's gonna make but do, where do you think like if you could predict like if you had to guess where he's going next could you, or do you think we're just going to be totally surprised with what what's going to come out of this all? Um, I, I don't. I, I think that would be impossible. Now I can tell you what I want. Yeah. 
uh, like I, I, I know I'm going to be surprised no matter what. I so it takes me a long time to get into things, and I've actually been kind of, um, I've been listening. You know, I, I, I study albums and I, I kind of obsess over them, and right. I still haven't. I'm I'm about ready to jump into Bad as Me. I've listened to it. I've listened to most of the songs. I've listened to all the songs, but like I haven't like put it on and like while I'm cooking or in a car or on the bus and just listen and listen, listen, listen. Um, the, it kind of the next step from, from, um, real gone right. as far as kind of the, but, uh, but I, what I'd like, I, I'd like him to, uh, I want a little more dirgy, <laughs> deep, dark, depressing, theatrical shit. I would love that. I would love if you could combine, um, if you could figure out a way to combine real gone bone machine oh, yes. and Alice all together, that would be the dream. It, it, that would be, that would be my dream. Alan. And I set up like, that's really why I don't remember some, like it's been so long since I've, uh, cause I built my own Tom Waits playlists kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, and so I don't remember like, you know, orders of stuff all the time, <laughs> but I would love to see that mix that, that like, I want to, I want to, I want to get the end of the world. I want to hear um, bittersweet love songs and and random spoken word. Uh, <laughs> I, I want to feel like we're a futuristic pirate ship strapped with napalm. You know, but yes. but at the end of the day, uh, the best part about Tom Waits is whatever he gives us. I'm going to say thank you, sir. May I have another? Exactly. That's always how it's going to be. No matter what. Yeah. And fun fact: we're actually born on the same day. Oh really? That's that's amazing. It makes me very happy. Like it's the nerd fanboy that I am. Oh my god. That's incredible. Mr. Waits, we have the same birthday. All right. (laughs) All right, man. (laughs) Uh, Okay. Uh, So, yeah, yeah, that's a fun fact, but um, that's what I'm hoping for for the record, and I just cannot wait for it to come out. I've got to see him play one more time. I got to see him on the uh, Glitter and Doom tour. Oh, really? Oh, my God. Five people fit into a tiny two-door car, um, and drove to Phoenix in one of the hottest summers we had years and years ago. Oh, my God. Whatever that tour was. And we couldn't even use the air conditioner for half of it because the car was overheating. One of the guys in the car was six foot five. One of my best friends, Brandon, and he's a big piece of shit. <laughs> uh, we stuck intensely. I bought a tomahawk uh, pipe, like a functioning tomahawk you can also smoke out of and smoked a bunch of weed, which I know they don't do. Um but not that I don't, you know, don't think that I'm a prude. It's just that I like harder, more illegal drugs. <laughs> Take oh, that to the fucking bank. That's awesome. Like, I, I hope I get that chance to see him because that Glitter and Doom tour, that was like 2007, 2008. I was still, I was still, I was still a fucking junior high. I hadn't discovered Tom Waits yet. But I hope, like, I know he tours so infrequently, but I hope he does something around the release of this record. And I would definitely make the track to see it. Absolutely. Uh, I I thought I was done. I was like, you know, I'm not one of those people that needs to see a band a million times, and I was so satisfied with what I got. But um, you know what? You get on a decade, and I'm like, nope, need. I I'm like one more. <laughs> and of course, after that, one more. A few years later, I'll be like, is he still fucking alive? Let's let's do another. <laughs> oh man, maybe if it's like a, somewhere like in the distance, like we'll have to like get together and road trip this thing, <laughs> and like record That's it for the so show. <laughs> You know I can't drive, so I'll just be the passenger, which oh, means I can get. Oh yeah, that's right. I, I forget sometimes you're legally blind. Yeah. yeah. Which means that everybody I fucked has been a ten. <laughs> just ask me. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> oh man, Kalen, it has been 
an absolute pleasure to have you on on here. It's been too long. So we're done, buddy. And I hope that, you know, like, I know you're talking about moving to Nashville, but I hope, like, the next time I'm in L.A., maybe we can, like, have lunch or something. Or I actually might get out to Nashville for work one of these times again. So. Yeah, baby. And also, I'm, 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 I'm not moving to Nashville. I'm, I'm, I'm being a bougie bitch. I'm splitting my time in Nashville and L.A. Ah, okay. <laughs> Don't you worry. Yeah. Separation for me at the lower class. Oh, lost you. You there? I was just saying something. Oh, I lost you again. <laughs> oh, shit. You, you, you were saying uh, bougie between L.A. and Nashville. Yeah, I'm going to be doing both. I'm not, like, selling out or anything like that. So I'm, okay. I'm, uh, I'll be around. I'll, I'm everywhere. You never know where you see me. <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, stick around after we do, do the sign-off. I want to talk to you for a second. But this has been the Sly Dog Rockcast for myself. Thanks for coming. Kalen, you want to say anything to the audience? Um, satisfy every base urge you have without any thought of the consequences immediately. <laughs> Till next time. Peace.